Hi everyone, and welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Sophia Simonello. And I'm Nick Rookrout. And today we'll be stepping back from the current Oscar season a little bit, and we'll be going back in time to 1947, celebrating the 75th anniversary of the holiday classic, Miracle on 34th Street. I'm so happy that it's holiday season and we'll be celebrating this today. I watched this and the remake from 1994, so we'll definitely get to that one as well. I hadn't seen it before, so yeah, I'm excited to talk about these and discuss how it showed up at the Oscars. You know, holiday movies, horror films don't really show up, so when they do, it's really shocking and I'm really curious to why. I know. It's funny, I think, too, if you think about holiday films that come out now, it's like you would never in a million years predict them to show up at the Oscars. Like, Spirited, that movie on Apple TV mm-hmm. Plus with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell and Octavia <laughs> Spencer, like, that is going to be nowhere near the award season this year. Even something like Last Christmas. Is it because these movies aren't as good? Like, that's probably part of it. But also, it's just changed, I think, so much Mm -hmm. since the days of It's a Wonderful Life, which we covered last year, and Miracle on 34th Street, which I think is a wonderful, wonderful holiday movie. It's such a strong film, let alone that it's holiday-related. And that's how the studio sold it, too. They wanted to put it out in the summer because that's when more people were going to see movies at the theater. And they were worried if it was in winter people wouldn't come or they wouldn't have as high of a box office. So they put it out in the summer and kind of masked what the story was about. And that's why we have this poster where Edmund Gwen, who plays Santa, is more in the background and they obscure what he's wearing. He's wearing kind of more of a suit. So it's kind of funny how they did that, but it worked because critics loved it. People loved it. And obviously we'll see in a second, but it did really well at the Oscars too. Yeah, it's so funny because when I was like looking into this movie like via TCM, I read that the original working titles were The Big Heart, My Heart Tells Me, and It's Only Human, which like those do sound like <laughs> lifetime movies in a way, mm-hmm. not holiday movies, but they also very much sound like these melodramas that existed in the 40s that these studios would put out. And yeah, I was surprised too that it played in the summer because this just feels like a movie that would come out around Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. around Christmas time. But yeah, it makes sense that they decided to release it that way and that it paid off too. Okay, so getting into Miracle on 34th Street, description here, after a divorced New York mother hires a nice old man to play Santa Claus at Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, she is startled by his claim to be the genuine article. When his sanity is questioned, a lawyer defends him in court by arguing that he's not mistaken. This was directed by George Seaton and stars Edmund Gwen, Maureen O'Hara, John Payne, Natalie Wood, and Jean Lockhart. At the Oscars, it won three supporting actor for Edmund Gwen. Yes, Santa won supporting actor, which is just incredible. It also won original story and screenplay, and it was nominated for Best Picture. But the winner that year was Gentleman's Agreement. We've talked about it a little bit already, but what did you think of Miracle on 34th Street? And was this something that was sort of in your holiday movie rotation? It normally isn't. I saw it last year for the first time, and I really enjoyed it. I think it holds up as a 1947 film alone as well. 
but it is fun to see all of those holiday elements inside and how they bring Santa Claus into the modern world and the political world to one of greed and in trying to convince this child who has grown up without believing in faith that Santa Claus could really exist. So I think it's one that, like It's a Wonderful Life, should be watched almost every year. I think it's a great family film. But I think after rewatching it this year, it might be becoming more of a yearly staple for me. How about for you? Did you grow up with this? Do you watch this every year? It is one that I watch every year and I have for the past few years. I remember when I was younger, though, while I was introduced to this very early, I watched the 1994 version more frequently. I think because Mara Wilson was in that and we loved Matilda. Mm -hmm. So we did watch that one quite a bit. But this one really is, I think, one of the best holiday movies. It's a classic from the period. But also I just think it's one that thematically is sort of a perfect holiday movie because it tonally understands the spirit of Christmas. It is such a warm cheerful movie. It's all about giving and kindness, but it also has these really deep, dark themes of greed and capitalism and corporate America that tie in, I think, really nicely with the Christmas season. And this whole idea, too, of the difference between adults and children and their spirit and what they believe. And I think it does all of that really well by still being incredibly enjoyable So yeah, I think this is definitely one that has become a part of my rotation more recently and is going to stay there for sure. I think it's also the perfect movie to watch at this specific time of year, which is right between Thanksgiving and Christmas, since it takes place perfectly during this time period, starting at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and going up until Christmas. It really is, I think, the perfect movie to watch right now. Yeah, to read that they filmed at the actual Thanksgiving Day Parade, they had one chance to get multiple shots to hear how cold it was. Maureen O'Hara wanted a security guard and George Seaton said, no, just don't worry about it. If you make it a big deal, people will think you are somebody. So just kind of blend in. Let's get it done. And it was so cold. They were so jealous of the people in the apartment, John Payne and Natalie Wood. So I think to read that they wanted it to be as genuine as possible, I think also plays to the big heart of LOL, the production and what they wanted to capture on screen. Well, it's also just so fun seeing Maureen O'Hara as part of the Thanksgiving Day Parade because I love looking at the old floats, seeing Mm -hmm. what everything looked like and seeing how everyone dressed. They were all dressed up at this parade in their like nice 40s clothes. I feel like now it's just the way that you and I think of Midtown in New York (laughs) and (laughs) the way that tourists come into the city. It's just so different. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think she's also the perfect choice here to be cast because she is so believable as this career woman who would have this daughter who she sort of teaches to be just as realistic as she is and who sort of has that same feistiness and fighting spirit as her. I love the scene at the parade when she is getting Edmund Gwen to take over as Santa, getting Kris Kringle to step in because this drunk Santa is just such a mess. And when 
he steps in, you just feel this sense of like magic. He has this wonderful twinkle in his eye and like seeing him crack the whip and teach the other Santa Mm -hmm. and realize he's so offended that someone could be drunk playing Santa when that is his like his real job. It's just so, so believable. I love that. Yeah, I think Gwen's joy in playing this character makes him so believable, which is such an important component to his character in convincing us and convincing the people of the court and the judge later on in the film that Santa could be real. So as more and more of the film went on, he really does start to convince you that the characteristics of Santa and his existence is real. And a lot of this, I think, plays on the relationship between him and Susie because of how he has to convince her of his existence. Yeah. Another scene with Gwen as Kris Kringle that I really love is when he's walking past that window and we see Santa's sleigh and all of the reindeer and he is insistent to the worker that the reindeer are out of order and that they need Mm -hmm. to be fixed. And we see in that moment just how seriously he really takes this, but also that he has this warmth, joyous spirit, but that other people aren't susceptible to that, especially other adults. And really, I mean, Susie, who in a great performance by Natalie Wood, she's such a wonderful child actor. I love her dramatic side eye throughout the movie as she's judging everyone around her. She really is like one of the adults. I think she's this child who, not that she's lost her innocence or anything like that, but she's raised by a mother who wants her to not be like the other kids. Like she doesn't know about fairy tales. She's not told these stories, not just about Santa, but she doesn't know who Jack and the Beanstalk is. She is the ultimate person who needs to come around to all of this. So he has to not just convince the adults that he's Santa and to believe in this Christmas spirit. He has to really, really convince her. Not that he's real, I think, but that she can have some some joy and some fantasy in her life. That it doesn't have to all be serious all the time. Yeah, and I think Natalie Wood, she is instantly recognizable. She's adorable. Mm-hmm. And she plays almost like an adult child actor. She always sounds mature and she is so much fun to watch on screen. Mm-hmm. I think in these moments where she's basically like, come on, guy. Like, I know Santa's not real. It's what my mom says. And when they're together and eventually he starts to convince her, like when she sees him talking to in this version someone who speaks Dutch Mm -hmm. the gears start turning in her head that maybe he's not lying about who he is and so later in their apartment when he tries to expand her imagination and have her pretend to be a monkey I think that's I love that one of the most sentimental scenes because in realizing that she can't really play with kids like it's so sad to see this kid who doesn't really enjoy life you know she has that cynicism of Mm -hmm. someone older who is functioning in society and the way that he can bring her childishness and imagination is just so magical to watch I really love that scene too it's it's really really sweet and I love that he takes her to go see Santa at the mall like that is just one of those moments where you start to see her maybe become like another kid And Mm -hmm. thinking about when Kris Kringle is hired to be the Macy's Santa, the idea that he is telling everyone that they can go to all of these other stores Mm -hmm. where the toys might be be available. 
it's such a wonderful thing because it's so true and so honest to what that character would do, right? He's going to give them everything they need to help their children get what they want for Christmas. But also the most important thing here is that we have Thelma Ritter's Mm -hmm. film debut. Oh, wow. I didn't know it was her debut. (laughs) Yeah. She is this customer who makes an impression right away. I think even if I didn't know the career that Thelma Ritter later had, you know, we've talked about her before with Rear Window and All About Eve, of course, but she is just so memorable as this mom who is like, excuse me, like you're the head of the toy department. I need to talk to you about what this man is doing and sort of convincing you at first that she might be mad about it or think that Mm -hmm. it's completely crazy. And she does, but then saying, I'm a regular customer now. And really, I think sealing the deal on what becomes a new strategy for Macy's and What's funny about that is that he's not doing it as some brilliant advertising scheme like all of the Macy's execs want it to be. Mm -hmm. But of course, because this movie weaves in these themes of capitalism and greed so deftly into its script, you see how these big like corporate execs and even other stores perceive this to be oh, this isn't actually about giving. This is about making more money and about perception. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really smart. Yeah, they tie those two themes in together really well, which I think is really important, especially around Thanksgiving, because now we have Black Friday, and it really is what the season has become. So to bring it back to these other themes of fantasy and family and joy is, again, what makes this movie so special and magical and one that should be rewatched every year. The Thelma Ritter appearance... Just to note, in the remake, she's actually split into two characters because in the original, she does both scenes, but there are two women in the newer version. One of them is Charmaine Bucco, The Sopranos, oh, which I love. Oh, you know, I recognized her. <laughs> and then Allison Janney, who is the one to say, oh, I'm a regular Macy's customer, but in the adaptation, it's Coles, which we can talk about. So I love that she was replaced by... To also women who were just starting in film. They were pretty young. This was definitely before The West Wing, when Allison Janney really made her mark. And The Sopranos hadn't happened yet. So I love what they did there. I do think the movie takes a really smart turn here when he ends up having to get a psychological evaluation. It's like, of course, these people just can't believe that this man is Santa. I love when we see his little card where he lists he lists his age as as old as my tongue and slightly older than my teeth. I love the next of kin being the eight reindeer. Yes. <laughs> like, can you imagine you're an HR person or like you're a manager of a person and you see that that's what the person has mm-hmm. submitted? <laughs> it's just so good. So like, of course, he has to go meet with this psychiatrist who is awful yeah. I hate this man. Sawyer is his name. But I love that he sort of befriended this other character named Alfred, who is this younger employee who at Macy's who tells him that this psychiatrist has been insinuating that he feels guilty about helping others. And there, there's some sort of guilt complex there. And then that makes Chris hit the psychiatrist with the umbrella on the head, which I think is hilarious. Like, he absolutely deserves this. And when he just, like, fakes it, it's like, oh, no, what are you going to have to go through? But 
This movie doesn't make it as sad, I think, as the remake when Chris ends up going to the hospital and that before the court hearing. I feel like in the remake, it's unnecessarily dark. I think the faking is a really important part in both mm-hmm. versions that they keep in. And yes, I agree about the darkness, but the way it plays in just compounds on those anti-capitalist themes because in the original this psychiatrist or store doctor he's not a psychiatrist though which is the problem Mm -hmm. he is working with the santa who was fired because he was drunk in the remake there are these people that are talking to the santa that was fired but they're working for the other store's manager or ceo so i think the connections working itself up the ladder to the owner of the company is such a dark thing, but I think something we've uncovered more in modern day. And that definitely plays well with the other themes that they're working with. But yeah, definitely going to Bellevue or showing the hospital, being in that psych ward is really a stirring image. You know, seeing Santa in a chair just kind of helpless. I know. And I just remember being a kid watching it and thinking like, How is he going to get out in time for Christmas? (laughs) But I think that the court scene is so great. First, I love Fred Gailey, the neighbor. He's so wonderful and just like honestly a perfect man. He's a lawyer, but he also is so good around children and like gives her coffee with fine china. Like, who is this man? (laughs) (laughs) This This must be typical of the 40s. This is not typical today. But I love how he builds up his case, specifically with the letters to Santa and how they've been delivered to Chris. And I love the final moment really in the trial when the men just come in and dump all of the sacks of letters on the judge's desk because he's like, no, I want to see the evidence. Like, what is it? Mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, you insist. I'll bring it right in. And it's just such a good way, I think, to wrap it up. And I would be remiss if I didn't also mention that little boy who plays the prosecutor's son mm-hmm. is so funny when he comes in. <laughs> it is like over the top old Hollywood child acting, yeah. but it is so funny to me. I love it. It's so smart, too, to bring in the little boy of the prosecutor in saying that, you know, the father said that there was a Santa Claus. I think there are certain elements that I was really shocked to see from a 1947 movie. Maybe I shouldn't be, but. The way it weaves in and around getting to free Santa. I guess let me ask you what you thought about the post office and bringing in the U.S. government in that way. I felt like the ending was a little too kitschy and sweet and wrapped up, but I think it works enough where I'm not criticizing it too much. But how did you feel about it? Oh, I I love it. (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm sure, you know, these sorts of movies are always a little bit syrupy and sugary sweet especially these old holiday films like they're just so sentimental but I love it because he's using a system that all of these people can actually understand and by looping in the government and effectively political themes here like that's how you reach adults so I like that I think that's really smart and just the letters to Santa that's something that everyone can relate to and it shows that It shows the power, I think, in the imaginations of these children. The fact that they believed 
will lead everyone else to have to believe too. So I, I like it. I think it's smart and it's fun, but I understand completely. Another favorite moment of mine, or really just the shot, is after Chris Kringle has been put in the hospital or locked up, and we see all these newspaper articles coming through the screen, and one, it's all in K's, and it says, Chris Kringle crazy, court case coming, calamity, cry kitties, and I was like, (laughs) one, it's so imaginative, and two, it just made me think of the Kardashians, I was like, oh my god. This is okay, wild. you. I love that you brought this up because you knew I would hate this because one of my biggest pet peeves is when things are misspelled on purpose, mm-hmm. specifically, oh my God, <laughs> like the first letter of a word. I hate it so, so much. And it was so funny because I was watching this movie with my family like over Thanksgiving to prepare for this and everyone pointed that out as something I would hate. They're like, oh no, look at this. <laughs> All of these K's, like why? And I guess going back, we can talk about Mr. Gailey for a second and relate him to Brian Bedford, maybe. You Mm -hmm. said like, oh my God, these men, he's so romantic and he's a character that Doris really should be into, but I don't think these men really exist. (laughs) Maybe it is an old Hollywood thing, but the way that he is so good with her daughter, he loves her. You know, he's pining for her and she's the one that's saying no. And then in the remake, we get Brian Bedford, who is played by Dylan McDermott, probably one of the most good looking men ever on screen. He's really, really hot in the movie. (laughs) And I recognize that as like a six year old. (laughs) But he's also good with Susan. He gives her a Cartier ring, not even proposing really. And then... After she says no, he's crying, saying, I put my faith in you. I was like, these men do not exist. Who is this person? <laughs> no, they they really, really don't. And I think the Brian Bedford version of the character is even more unrealistic to me. Because, like, who is this man? I'm like, this, this type of man either doesn't exist or <laughs> would actually scare me away for being too much. The Fred Gailey character, I really feel like, one, the first thing that always just confuses me when I watch the movie is when Doris gets home and her daughter isn't there. Mm-hmm. She's in the neighbor's apartment this with this guy watching the parade because, of course, like his lovely apartment has a view of the parade. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Another bonus. But yeah, I'm like, who who is letting their daughter go over to this man's house? But this man's apartment. But yeah, he's great. I think both are sort of indicative of the time period that their respective films are in. But I just always remember thinking that Brian, the Dylan McDermott version, was actually the perfect man. I understand why why she doesn't want Susan to know about fairy tales, because this was literally like a fairy tale man to me. I'm like, who's going to mm-hmm. give me a ring like that when I'm however old this mother is? Yeah, exactly. It's not going to happen. <laughs> no, it's just, it's not. <laughs> well, so of course, like, Susan wants a house from Santa as her Christmas present. And I love that moment at the end when they're driving and she spots the house and just runs up into it. It is Mm -hmm. way too neatly tied up because they're all of a sudden like, wow, I love you. Let's do one of those like crazy 40s kisses that look horribly painful. And then it's just over. (laughs) But I do. I love how it ends. It's so sweet. And 
what she wanted all along wasn't necessarily the house. It was to have a family mm-hmm. and for them to be together. And I love that we just see that last shot of Chris's cane in the corner, mm-hmm. knowing that he was responsible for all of it, that he did he did get her her Christmas present at the end of the day. Right. And it's funny you mentioned the kiss because that's when I saw Jimmy Stewart. I feel like he's done that a lot. He, he did that in It's a Wonderful Life. So in that moment, I saw John Payne, who wasn't in any other big movies as this kind of knockoff Jimmy Stewart character, but in a similar way that the courtroom stuff to me was a bit too neatly tied. It fits together really well with this ending because it does all come back to Susie wanting to believe in Santa Claus and her being a little dramatic saying, well, if you can't get it for me, then you're not Santa. But it's funny how the entire plot, basically, it's them trying to get him committed and the court things happening and them driving home to making this happen. So it was Mm -hmm. all fate. It was all meant to be. And he really was Santa Claus. That's the magic of it. Christmas magic. Yeah. (laughs) It all ties together really well into the main quote for me from both movies, which is here, faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. And in the adaptation, it's if you can't accept anything on faith, then you're doomed to a life dominated by doubt. And I think that's what basically we are meant to believe as adults and also why they tie in religion more in the adaptation, which is not where this one goes at all. But it's making these connections to, I think, have adults believe more than they do. And I think that's also what makes this movie great is that it's for kids, but it's really for adults, too. Yeah, I really do think it's it's the epitome of a movie that is like for the whole family at the holidays mm-hmm. because everyone can have something in it that they can enjoy or that they can relate to. Like it has those deeper, darker, more complex themes, but they're never they never take over the cheer and the kindness and the warmth of the script. Okay, so did you say that you had never seen the 94 remake or you hadn't seen this version before? I don't remember seeing the remake, but we have the VHS. Like, we had it growing up, so I had to have seen it. I just didn't remember Mm -hmm. any part of it. What did you think of it? I actually really liked it. Again, I think it gets kind of too cheesy at the end. And, like, me now thinking it, you know, all the heteronormative stuff of, you know, she wants a baby brother and all of these things Mm -hmm. in this, like, perfect house in the countryside. But I think it plays really well. All the actors are amazing. I love Mara Wilson, Matilda. I mean, like you have to call her that and how they update certain things. I actually really enjoyed this. Did you grow up with this version or the original? Sort of a mix of both. But this was, I think, the one that my sister and I would choose more often, Mm -hmm. which again is just unfortunate. I hadn't watched this in years and I actually thought it was really bad. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) watching it again I was just sort of surprised it was one of those where I think because I had watched them back to back and had really fallen in love with the 1947 version I was just I don't know I think some of the choices were just well first no disrespect to Richard Attenborough but he is not Edmund Gwen Edmund Gwen is maybe my favorite movie Santa. I think he's the perfect, mm-hmm. perfect Santa Claus. Again, the twinkle in his eye, his 
sort of wily spirit. He's just fun, and he also just looks like the way I always imagined Santa to look when I was a little kid. And here, I don't know, this Santa just, he doesn't feel right. I don't know, he just doesn't have that that warmth to him that Edmund Gwen brings to the character. Mm-hmm. And I think Mara Wilson is great, but again, I love Natalie Wood and Maureen O'Hara as mother and daughter more than I love Elizabeth Perkins and Mara Wilson in those characters. This one just feels, I think, a bit more serious and bogged down by its seriousness than infused with the warmth of the original. Dylan McDermott, though, he's just as good looking in the role as I remember. And yeah, he's like one of the most perfect men in a holiday movie. Like everything about him is too good to be true. I also just don't love the way that faith is woven into it. I don't like, in the end, how they use the in God we trust on the dollar to prove Mm -hmm. the point. Yeah. As opposed to the letters from Santa, I feel like that's a very on-the-nose way to bring the theme of greed back up. But it's also just not what... It's not something that I think of when I think of Santa. Like, when you think of Christmas and when you think of Santa specifically, I don't think about the dollar. I think about the letters that kids send to him. And I feel like that is... That's a better symbol and a better way to prove your point of his identity than bringing faith into it like I get what they were going through for there and I feel like it again fits in better with the 90s than the 40s maybe Mm -hmm. but I just prefer the letters to Santa and how that comes in I also really hate the way that the film is lit (laughs) but that's a personal problem of mine those night shots in the park I think especially or like on the sidewalk yeah And the one when they're eating dinner together near the beginning and the food literally looks waxy from the lights. It's, it's I'm like, okay, this feels like a TV movie. And it's funny because the reason, so you mentioned that the store in the 94 remake is called Kohl's. And I learned that Macy's wouldn't let them use Macy's for the movie because they didn't think the remake was necessary. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. When you first see the parade and this crane shot in the remake, they're trying to make it very cinematic, but this Coles balloon flies by and I was kind of thrown because in the original, it's Macy actually doing the business. It's Macy's. Mm-hmm. And here we get Coles and Shoppers Express. Yeah. <laughs> and the statement Macy's put out was, we feel the original stands on its own and could not be improved upon. Which I think is so shady. Bold. <laughs> but, it is. But they're not wrong. Mm-mm. I think it's a decent enough remake, but the original does still really hold up. Yeah, I completely agree. And it makes sense, I think, of why I liked it at the time. I do think it is a movie that if it existed on its own, not in the shadow of the original, it would be fine. But mm-hmm. because we have the 47 version to compare it to, for me, it just doesn't. it doesn't measure up. I think it is an easy holiday movie to remake, but I was, Mm -hmm. as I was watching it, curious how they were going to adapt the ending and kind of make it more modern. And yeah, the in God we trust thing, I was like, okay, it's a stretch. I mean, it works, but it kind of went where the original didn't, like you said, and not really where I wanted it to go. Yeah. So do you think that anything, so going back to the 47 version, do you think anything was snubbed? Not really. I think mostly because 
I was just shocked it got four nominations anyway. You had two different story or screenplay noms and wins out of the three that were possible. And I don't necessarily think any of the other acting performances were going to make it in for this. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to say, and it's not a super technical film. I think it would have been fun to have an original song show up. Like, I wish they had considered doing that in production, but no, Mm -hmm. I don't think anything was really snubbed. What about you? Original song, Sinterklaas Capuchin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I I feel similarly. I think maybe you could make the case for a director. The film is really well made and it really holds up. That year, Ilya Kazan won for Gentleman's Agreement. We had some good directors there. George Cukor for A Double Life, David Lean for Great Expectations. But I don't know. I mean, this year at the Oscars isn't a particularly strong one. Loretta Young won Best Actress for The Farmer's Daughter. This is a wild lineup. Like Susan Hayward for Smash Up. Again, I say this every time we talk about old Hollywood. Mm. Like I need you to watch some of these because (laughs) you would be shocked. Rosalind Russell for Morning Becomes Electra. So I think, you know, there could be room for Maureen O'Hara there, but she isn't doing anything completely groundbreaking where I feel like you would need to recognize her. So I sort of feel like this is a case where the wins that it had were really strong. And I'm happy that it did also get a best picture nomination too. I was shocked to see the best picture nom, but again, it was a beloved film and they have a recording of when Gwen won for supporting actor and you hear her read through all the nominees and there's a definite swell when she reads Gwen's name. So mm-hmm. people love this movie. And I think to get the picture nom without the director, I think is enough for this movie. And since Gentleman's Agreement won both, I don't necessarily think a holiday movie or a Christmas movie is ever going to win Best Picture. And that's okay. <laughs> but mm-hmm. we have It's a Wonderful Life. We have this. So I like that it's here. And I think going into how today's Academy would receive this movie, like you're totally right. I <laughs> I can't imagine the Academy going for a holiday movie anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's really hard to, hard to think about unless it's one of those that's like Phantom Thread, which people say is a Christmas movie because it has a Christmas scene in it, you know, right. something like that. But there would be a chance like because of when this movie came out and if it really did just become something that wasn't necessarily a holiday movie, but was something that really won over the hearts of voters, that still happens today. So while I don't, see it hitting in the same way today I do think its themes would still resonate I agree but yeah today holiday movies I feel like just aren't as smart usually like we got single all the way last Mm -hmm. year which was fun but these movies are fun they're not critical and last night I also watched Fred Claus and A Christmas Mystery and these were just even though Fred Claus had Paul Giamatti and Vince Vaughn and Elizabeth Banks, they're just not good. <laughs> so it would be extremely mm-hmm. hard for something to show up today. And I think the reason this also did is because it's political, because it has these mm-hmm. other adult themes that make it not just a holiday movie. And it is one that people saw in the summertime and maybe got to rewatch later on during the holiday season. All right. And if you could give this movie one Oscar, what would it be? I think it's safe to say the Oscar that went to Edmund Gwen is the one that it really deserved. Mm -hmm. He is really the perfect Santa. And 
you know, like seeing the kids tug on his beard and the way he is just so jolly is really what sold this movie for me. You know, it made me believe. What about you? Oh, I love that. Edmund Gwen would be my winner too. Like I said, he's my favorite movie Santa. I think he is such a perfect Santa Claus. It's kind of crazy that when I watched this when I was younger, like he really has stayed in my head as the definitive movie Santa. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just fun that someone won an Oscar for playing Santa. The only other example I can think of, which is not a true example, is Gene Hackman winning Best Actor for The French Connection. He does wear a Santa suit in that movie. (laughs) That's a stretch. But But very different. Very different. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I think the win is great. And he really is what still stands out about the movie to me. Amazing. So that was our discussion on Miracle on 34th Street. Let us know which version you guys like more. But I think the original really is one that I'll watch from year to year. Me too. And next time on Oscar Wilde, we have a very big episode, an epic episode, truly. We will be celebrating the 60th anniversary of, I'm not even going to bury the lead, one of the greatest Best Picture winners of all time, David Lean's Lawrence of Arabia. I am so excited to talk about this movie. It is just jaw-dropping. I love it. Yeah, just a massive film, let alone at the Oscars. So I'm excited to talk about this such a beautiful film and it's yeah it's quite long but i think it's one that a lot of people have seen right now it's just streaming so you would have to rent it at home but thank you all for listening feel free to rate review and subscribe if you like our show and you can find us on socials at oscar wild pod and on patreon at patreon.com slash oscar wild and we will have a fun holiday episode coming to patreon soon on the holiday which features many Oscar winners and nominees. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.